Hi, I'm Brad Jones from Team BOC. Each week, find out what's going on in the world of V8 supercars with V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Reynolds bags the bear. Unbelievable to have such a you know, massive iconic stream band like Thunderbird Red on board. Rick is happy to be back in black. This racing team is something that's new for us and something that we've had a lot of input into as well. And Wilson Security Racing bags a tander. A lot of people always thought that I had a deal with Holden, but to be honest, you know, I've got an association with HSV. Um, but Holden itself, I don't have an association with. So when this deal came up to drive a Ford, um, it was a great opportunity and I jumped at it. We check out all the launches today as the lights go out on another edition for the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I'm John Balf. You're listening to V8 Insiders. The V8 supercar season launched in Melbourne yesterday with a great crowd on hand to see new liveries and new drivers all together for the first time. Federation Square in the heart of Melbourne was a buzz when the 2009 season was officially kicked off by the chairman of V8 supercars, Mr Tony Cochran. The official launch also saw the unveiling of the new Nissan GTR safety car program and the announcement that V8 supercar legend Mark Scaife is coming to a TV near you as he is joining the team at Network 7 for this season's V8 coverage. Following the public launch, many of the teams, drivers, sponsors and media gathered for an informal function which allowed all the new faces of V8 supercars to be introduced. This is the first and last social occasion for the teams. The next time they'll see each other, it will be business as usual when the teams will be trying out all the developments from the off-season as they attend the official pre-season test days at Winton on the 9th and Queensland Raceway on the 11th of March. Fans are welcome to attend the official test days with a gold coin donation with proceeds going towards the Victorian fire and Queensland flood disaster appeals. This is Neville Wilkinson reporting in Melbourne for the V8 Insiders. The V8 Insiders caught up with the new main game driver, David Reynolds, who has officially been announced as the driver of the fourth Walkinshaw performance car, the Bundaberg Red Commodore. I sort of knew for a long time that they were, or like for a few months now, that they've been working on it. So I've been, it sort of hasn't been in my hands or hasn't been in my control, which is, which is pretty good because it's with a, with a lot more professional team. They have control over what, of, um, Obviously, where my um, where my future was in that, so that was really good in that respect. So I was, I was pretty relaxed over summer, and you know, I had a real good break. Well, I didn't really have a break because I went to New Zealand and raced a few times over there, and you know, so I've always been, you know, I've always been um, racing and training and that, still trying to keep sharp. Reynolds can't wait for his chance to get onto the track at Adelaide. I've been talking to everyone about like, you know, how long the race is and they, everyone says just think about how hard it is and then double it. That's how hard it is. I'm like, oh no. I've been training real hard and you know, I'll just I'll just be happy to see the end. 
Rick and Todd Kelly also launched their new team on Monday. It has followed a long off-season with the brothers putting together not only two cars for themselves, but cars for Jack Perkins and Dale Wood. The guys in, in the team that are working with the Kelly Racing team this year have just put in so much work and so much effort and the attitude they've got towards the season is just something I haven't come across before and that for me makes it a lot more exciting to, to hit the track. Todd Kelly isn't worried about mixing team ownership with driving. Yeah, well, everybody has a fair bit of responsibility in this organisation, but but there's a lot of us, which makes it easy. You know, Rick is hands-on, and Rick and I are both here full-time, uh, but we're, we're, we're both interested in different aspects of the business, so we overlap in a lot of ways, and then we've got, obviously, Dad that oversees the whole thing. So the burden, even though we've got all of us part of it, it's spread out, and uh, we've got a lot better chance of doing a better job at all of those parts of the business, so... I'd hate to be in a, in a team that we've got ownership in and, and rock up on the race weekends and not have anything to do with it. So the amount that we've all got to do uh, on a weekly basis, I think, is a healthy thing. And, and I don't think in any way it'll be an overload for Rick or myself. Rick Kelly talks about how thrilling it will be to have success with their own family team. We've got two brand new chassis that we're going to debut at Adelaide. Um, this year, which is exciting for us, but at the same time, with having new cars, a lot of new team members, and Todd and myself in the team together for the first time, I guess we're just aiming to get out of that round um, with no major teething problems, being a new team, gather some good points, and um, you know, hopefully build that momentum throughout the rest of the season. Um, I guess if we can aim for a top five or top three um, finish at, um, at Adelaide points-wise, I think that that would be an extremely successful weekend for us. Todd Kelly said he's proud of the achievements of the off-season. Well, the first goal was just to get the two cars built and get everything together and, and launched, and uh, we'll make that. And the second, the second one is just to try and get the first few rounds out of the way and not be heroes, but just try and get some points. Uh, as Rick said, it's all a little bit unfamiliar. We've got two new cars that uh, we're quite unfamiliar with. We've never driv- driven them. They've only just been built, and they're they're different to what Rick's ever driven, and they're slightly different to what. I had last year so we're going to take a few races to learn how to understand those cars and we're going to take a little while to to grow as a team and gel as a team and if we said we're going to go to Clipsal and win the race we'd be we'd be dreaming um, it's not to say that some small chance it won't happen but we're realistic about it and we just want to build the foundations to eventually be a championship winning team. Wilson Security has secured tender for their racing duties in the Enduros. No, not the former champion Tander, his wife, Leanne. We asked Leanne how the deal came together. Well, I probably uh, have to thank my friend John Bow for putting in a good word for me um, when it came time to for them to pick their endurance drivers. And he's uh, been been a mate of mine and Garth's for you know quite a few years. So and he, I think, was the one that really hooked us up in terms of uh, starting the, the negotiations and conversations. So that's pretty much how it happened, and I'm very thankful to him. Leanne's gone from having very few drives in 2009 now to main game drives in the Enduros. Does she think that will leverage further races, perhaps in the Fujitsu series? I'm not sure. Um, you know, at this point, my focus is to do as well as I can for Wilson Security Racing in the endurance races. And hopefully from that, I, I do a great job and I can hopefully earn the team enough media coverage and things that people can see, I guess, my worth as a driver and, you know, that might help me get drives in the future. And what about the inevitable questions of 
racing against her husband. <laughs> oh, those sort of things you could sit around all day thinking, oh, what if, you know, what if this, what if that. You know, at the end of the day, I'm going to be focusing on what I'm doing. I'm sure Garth will be focusing on what he's doing and, and, and that's going to be pretty much, you know, the end of it. We'll just each do what, what our teams and, and we have decided is sort of in the course of the best action for that team on the day. So when it comes down to the last laps and the two cars and nose to tail is rubbing racing. <laughs> I don't think that'd go down too well if I punted him off. Um, but you know, it's, it is a race and I guess if, if we end up racing wheel to wheel, then I'm sure we'll, would love to have that opportunity and we'll just enjoy it and, and try to make sure that we race fair. Triple Eight have launched their new ride with Norton taking over the top window, formerly held by Ford. And as expected, the Ford logos on the grill are now brought to you by Hogsbreath. Norton Antivirus Products has also announced that they will be the new naming rights sponsor of the Sandown Challenge. With little fanfare compared to many this season, Jason Bright has launched his new Fujitsu Falcon, which is going to make the competition very green. If not with envy, it certainly will be when he fills up their mirrors. Bright has told Big Pond Sport that the blank spaces that are on the car's current livery will hopefully be filled by the time Adelaide rolls on. Greg Murphy has told the V8 Insiders that cost-cutting is still a huge issue and one that must be taken seriously by all the teams. You know, when you've got teams with resources that they've got versus other teams with the resources they've got and, and so forth and so forth and so forth, um, you know, you, you're always going to have the ones that are spending the most money uh, these days with that advantage because it's be- we've created... We've created um, a formula that, oper- you know, that um, requires you to operate in such a small window. Yeah. So, you know, these are the challenges that the that the championship um, is faced with, and you know, I'd hope that the powers that be are aware of that and are going to make a difference. You know, we really got to just cut the cost of the cars and yeah. them down and make it more affordable, so that teams aren't requiring the budgets they need now to run. And um, you know, we're a bit smarter about it. Some of the times there. Yeah, yeah, but I think you know we've been riding this this wave that's been breaking. It's been breaking for the last few years, and we've done nothing. Two thousand and three, we did a cover. Remember the cover you did with the when you did the hands yeah, on the head? Yeah. It's got cut costs now Was or die. Yeah, so in fact, this issue so about it's our fiftieth issue. You know, the, the owners have just everyone's been too scared that they're going to lose an advantage or whatever. I'm not sure, but you know, far out. We, we've we haven't been ready. We're certainly. I mean, we weren't ready for change. Well, we weren't willing to change before the so-called economic crunch turned up. Well, yeah. We weren't ready for it or couldn't bring ourselves to make change before. Man, we've left it too late. We've left it well, late. Well, it's, it's forced you to make changes. Yeah, but we still haven't made it. Oh. We still haven't made it. Tim Slade has been confirmed as Paul Morris's replacement at Super Cheap Auto Racing, whilst Team Kiwi Racing has hit the headlines again for all the wrong reasons. Reports from across the ditch have said that David Johns has been declared bankrupt. This is throwing into doubt Steve Owen's return to the main game in a Paul Morris-prepared Team Kiwi Racing Commodore. Meanwhile, John Kelly's lawyers have notified V8 Supercars that they are now in dispute with Tom Walkinshaw following their split last year. 
Finally, Shane Price is hoping that a good result at the Klipsu Fijitsu race will pave his way for a full-time ride in the development series in 2009. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. Gordon Lomas and Andrew Clark join me next. Then later in the show, Greg Murphy and Jason Bagwana talk about the lack of personalities in the V8 supercar racing. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where this week, joining us on the show from the V8 Supercar Yearbook, is none other than Andrew Clark. Andrew, it's been very dry for most of the people in Victoria, but you're finally getting some rain, which is good news down there in Melbourne, unless you're having a V8 Supercar launch, of course. Yes, exactly. It's very good news for us, but uh, not so good for, uh, for the V8 Supercar mob, who decided to have the uh, launch outdoors at Federation Square today, so uh, I think they would have been a little disappointed when they saw it, but... Uh, Tony Cochran, um, of course, controls everything, and he brought some of the Queensland weather down for uh, Melbourne, so uh, he's a bit of a god at the moment. Up there in Queensland, of course, is none other than Gordon Lomas from Big Pond Sport and V8X Magazine, and uh, I know that you've just got the latest edition of uh, V8X to bed, Gordon, so you're having some well-earned break from the V8 supercars. Oh, hold on a sec. I think you've had about five launches to do in the last week. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think the mag uh, hits the streets tomorrow. Um, it's a pretty significant mag. If I can put in a plug for V8X, it's the 50th uh, issue since it started. So uh, a bit of an anniversary edition. It is going to be an interesting read with uh, all the announcements in the last couple of weeks. It's it's certainly hard to keep on top of everything, and particularly when you're working to the embargoes that. Uh, seem to uh, be very loosely kept. They seem to have better embargoes on the media than they do on uh, the rumour mill. And, uh, of course, everything's known well and truly in advance. One of those things, of course, is that Bundaberg Red has been launched with David Reynolds. And uh, I know most of us here are uh, almost Luke Wesk, Steve Owen-esque with our support of David Reynolds there, Gordo. Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, there's probably not a guy in the on the grid this year that um, deserves a full-time ride um, more than David Reynolds. I mean, you know, he's he's a terrific operator, as we all know. And um, you know, the last couple of times with uh, with Walkinshaw at Bathurst and and whatever, he's uh, you know through no fault of his own, he's um, he's ended up sitting in the garage and not uh, getting behind the wheel of the car. So, you know, perseverance um, has paid off for him. And, um, you know, uh, congratulations uh, to, to David. And, uh, you know, the Bundaberg red car probably won't win around this year, um, but he's, he's um, you know, raised a few eyebrows, I would think. You a fan as well, Andrew? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ambivalent in a sense. I mean, uh, I think we've seen a lot of people who star in other classes and when they get into V8 supercars, they find the going very tough. Um, it's The question for him is uh, how quickly will 
will he settle? Um, how quickly is he going to understand that uh, these guys uh, do play for cattle stations, you know, and sheep stations and whatever else you want to throw in there? It's, you know, it's a very serious game, this V8 Supercar Racing, and uh, I think if you look down the grid, I mean, not many guys have, have made tra easy transfers into it. And, you know, whether that's a James Courtney or, uh, or a, you know, Paul Dumbrell or whoever. I mean, the last person who came in and just blew it apart in the first year was Marcus Ambrose, and uh, I think the series has changed a lot since then. So, you know, I, I'm waiting to see. I mean, I think he's, his two aborted starts at Bathurst have been approached with great maturity. I mean, you know, last year he was he was as sick as a dog, despite what the cynics want to, to make out when he was pulled out of the car to allow Rick Kelly in. You know, I saw the uh, the drip marks in his arm from where he'd had all the drips going in there, and you know, trust me, he was sick. Um, so you know, he's he's brave, he's got courage, and uh, he's got talent. And um, the question now is, can you make that last little step? You know, can you convert all of that into uh, into race winning formula? Yeah, I if I can interject here, um, Craig, uh, I, I totally agree with Andrew's sentiments there. Um, you know, but one thing that David's got on his on his side is his temperament. He's got a terrific temperament, and you know, I mean, I've seen him quoted as saying that um, he's really going to look up to Garth, you know, Tander, um, and certainly in his first year, and try and sort of glean and learn as much as he can for someone who's been in the game for more than 10 years. And, uh, you know, if he can sort of stick to that sort of, sort of deal and have that attitude, I mean, he's going to go a long way. I think the interesting thing to me is going to be how Walkinshaw Racing handles these extra two cars, you know, the Paul Dumbrell and the... Uh, and the David Reynolds. I mean, we all know that you know, Garth Tander and Will Davison are going to be, you know, the ants' pants on the red side of the field. But um, you know, last year, I don't think they handled the, the, you know, the third and fourth cars very well, and they've got a history of not really coping all that well. Um, and I, you know, I have seen other things, you know, talking about um, Paul Dumbrell and you know, the fact that they've identified some weaknesses in his driving style that they're uh, that they're fixing and so forth. So, you know, hopefully they're going to be putting in a you know, 100% into those third and fourth cars and, uh, you know, if so, um, and they get the right training, like, you know, it's so critical that the guy on the other end of the microphone, um, the other end of this, you know, the, uh, the engineers and so forth are really talking to these guys and teaching them as they go. And, um, you know, if they don't do that, then people flounder and uh, you see the good ones learn from every word that comes down the radio to them. One thing about David Reynolds, which we'll hear in the white flag lap, so I'll get the plug in early, and it is about personalities in the sport. And one thing is, Dave Reynolds has got a personality, and he's not afraid to shoot from the hip. Uh, politically correct, I don't think is a word that uh, sums up David Reynolds. Nah, so it is going to uh, it is going to be interesting to see if it gets drummed out of him or whether they let a bit of his personality come through because uh, we are lacking that and that's certainly the topic of our white flag lap with two of the biggest personalities in V8 supercars Bargs and Murph guys we've seen this long off season before we go into some of the uh, the other launches that we've seen in the last week i did want to talk to you both about who's won the media battle of the off-season. I'll throw it out there saying my personal pick is Sprint Gaffs Racing. I think if we look at the motorsport media, they have certainly dominated that, even with the HRTs, the Triple Eights and the... And, and the uh, Gordo, what's been your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I've probably... I've, I've missed um, the best part of a month or two on the off-season uh, being, being away overseas, so... You know, I'm probably not uh, all that well qualified to comment, um, but certainly in the last month or so, um, 
You know, I, I, I tend to disagree a little bit. Um, I think the HRT launch, and I'm looking at that from, you know, obviously Queensland, um, I think that had a fairly big impact, um, you know, within the industry and, uh, and certainly the motorsport media, you know, rather than the media at large. But, um, you know, I, I certainly think, um, you know, with, you know, confirming the secret that we all knew about, um, you know, Davo taking Scafie's ride, um, you know, I think that launch really, you know, with Tom sort of revealing what he did, um, and this is, you know, going to be the rise and rise of, of Walkinshaw again, you know, I, I really do think they got a lot of mileage out of that. Andrew? Um, yeah, it's interesting, like there was even an article uh, yesterday's age by Michael Lynch with Will Davison, so, you know, they've been able to sustain the momentum as well as all of the hype leading up to it, you know. Um, I think if you were to say, you know, who's won it in terms of column centimetres, um, HRT gets there. Um, part of that is simply the whole Mark Scaife phenomena as well. So, you know, it's not all uh, not all about the new team and some of it's about the old team. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think Sprintgas have done a good job out of it, but, you know, like, as you said, you, you've got big personality there. You've got Bargs and you've got Murph. Um, everybody, obviously, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to see Murph back having a good time again. Um, yeah, he's one of the good blokes of the sport and uh, when he's winning, he's a great bloke. Um, wouldn't want to be his engineer if he wasn't doing so well but uh, you know when it's all going good Murph's great and Bargs you know he's got it as well so you know they've had a really good run out of it all um Triple Eight really kind of only ramped <coughs> excuse me <coughs> only started ramping up this week FPR had a fairly good run in the motorsport media but there was nothing groundbreaking or anything going on there so you know I, I would actually you know say HRT's yeah, pretty much won it from sprint gas and then everybody else is nowhere to be seen. I'm going to go out on a limb just before we go to the break here and it's uncommon for me to be out in dangerous territory like that but I would have to say Jason Bright Fujitsu Racing would be the worst launch so far realising that at the moment I've got super cheap auto racing up there or down there with him and, of course, then you've got uh, Diaboto's launch that hasn't happened yet, I think. Did, did, did Fujitsu Racing have a launch? Well, that's the whole thing. Here you are, a, a high-profile sponsor, a spo the major sponsor of the development series, and outside of painting the car, Fluoro Green, welcome back to 1990, you've really only just seen a couple of picks. It really has been flat as a tack. I think it's interesting to see the people who haven't had a launch and probably won't have a launch. You know, which is the ones who have. I mean, I don't, uh, and Gordo might know differently, but uh, I don't recall a Stone Brothers racing launch um, with Irwin Racing. No, that's their modus operandi. I mean, and, and the thing is that, you know, um, with, you know, with the Fujitsu thing, you know, they'll sit back and say, you know, what's the big deal? Because I, I was speaking to someone uh, from Link with Stone Brothers today, and seriously, Bright is going to be one of the big surprise packets of the of the year, and you know, halfway through the year when they're you know when they're sort of right up there in the championship, you know they'll be going well. Who, who we didn't have a launch? Who cares? You know, but their like, launch so is going to come when they've got the new car. I mean, it, you know, we can't forget that he's running the old car. He's, he's running Courtney's car, but that's you know. <laughs> so why bother doing a launch? You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, I think if you've got nothing to say, you may as well sit back and do nothing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The exactly only change right. is blue to green. Yep. Um, but as you say, like, I mean, and I think, you know, I think this is one of the topics we can perhaps get into a little bit later in this thing, but, uh, you know, how well is Jason Bright going to go in the tried and tested? Mm.
it is... And we know he's good. Like, yeah, if you said to me, I've got, you know, a million bucks, go out there and grab somebody to drive your car, you're on my shopping list. Look, uh, Jason Bright, I'm a huge Jason Bright fan, as most people who listen to the show know, and uh, Jason knows him. Uh, I've always uh, enjoyed watching him race, and uh, he's a racer. But I'm just uh, got to say that that was a lacklustre effort to start the season. We need to take a break, and we'll be definitely back to talk more launches after this. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, Gordon Lomas from V8X and Andrew Clark from The Yearbook. And, uh, Andrew, we were talking about launches, and I think we should get a Melbourne perspective of a very interesting Queensland announcement, and that, of course, was Wilson Security getting... Leanne Tander as the enduro driver. I think that's been a great coup this week for um, this fledgling two-car operation. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm a Triple J listener, as uh, anybody who's seen my hairdo would understand. Um, and uh, they got into that, starting to talk about it on the Triple J News. You know, this um, Leanne Tander is a big pickup for them. It'll give them a bit of coverage. Um, we know Leanne Tander can drive. You know, she's not gassed, but she can still steer okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could be an absolute cynic here and suggest that she's probably going to be better than Michael Patrizzi, but, uh, you know, that would be a bit of a push at the moment, but uh, uh, quite possible. Um, good move, uh, getting coverage out of it. Um, I reckon their cars look good, by the way, um, and uh, no launch, but, um, you know, they've got coverage out of it. And, uh, you know, she was on stage today at the, uh, at the launch at um, Federation Square having a chat. So, uh, you know, having a girl in there is good. Having the wife of a former champion is good. Um, and uh, it's just another another little thing to say uh, Paul Crookshank knows what he's doing. No doubt about that, is there, Gordo? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I was up there uh, yesterday at uh, uh, the beautiful uh, green surroundings of Mount Cutha um, in Brisbane, uh, and, you know, look, all the commercial TV channels turned up. Now, admittedly, you know, the cynics will say, well, that they're only, you know, 200, 300 metres up the road from where they had the... Um, had the actual announcement, but uh, turn up, they were all there, and you know what? You know, you know it, whether it's um, a publicity stunt or not, it's a win-win situation for Paul Crookshank Racing, because Leanne just, you know, justifiably deserves to be there, and you know, being a female, you know, there's there's ad, an added bonus to uh, to appeal to the uh, to the mass media, and uh, it's just a win-win situation for Paul Crookshank. It's going to be interesting to see how that momentum goes. Of course, test number one will be on the 11th of March when Queensland Raceway will have all the Queensland-based teams out on the racetrack and, of course, Leanne will be up there with her helmet ready to do some laps. The thing that's going to crack me up the most is that um, she's driving a Ford 
and her husband's very much a Holden boy. And uh, I don't know whether you guys have spent much time around them during the races, but she hasn't been that complimentary of Ford drivers and Ford people in the past. So it's uh, going to be quite funny to see how that progresses and uh, you know whether or not she turns on Holden, you know, even though Crookshank's not sponsored by Ford. But, uh, you know, that to me is the interesting dynamic. It's, uh, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, race drivers will do anything for a drive in a sense, but it uh, be interesting. You'd, you'd like to be around the Tander dinner table around Bathurst and Phillip Island, uh, you know, and uh, and just to be a part of the conversations that are going on. Uh, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd pay a million dollars for it. Yeah, I, I, like I wonder whether they're going to get to, uh, to to share a bed during Bathurst and things, or whether they have, <laughs> have to split camps and go to, go their own way and uh, all that sort of things. Yeah, because and, and, and like people joke about drivers' wives um, being at the races and things, but. Like, there's such a constant for them, you know? Like, all of a sudden, we're going to say to Garth Tander, cause, uh, and my bet now is that she won't be staying with him at Bathurst in Phillip Island, that, you know, this constant in your life is suddenly not going to be there at, you know, perhaps the most important race of the year. You know, the bloke, the woman who, you know, picks off his helmet and rubs his head down with a towel when he hops out of the car and makes sure he's got water on and takes him home and comforts him when something goes wrong, you know, there, there, Garth, you know, all of those things, that's gone. So the potential is going to have a slight impact on Garth as well. That said, you know, he's a pro, so he you know, you probably won't have too much of an impact, but uh, the potential's there, I think. And, uh, well, it's going to be uh, interesting. I know I didn't get the courage to uh, ask Leanne about the comments she normally makes in pit lane when I was speaking to her today, but certainly I asked her about the last lap, as you heard in the news, and is rubbing still racing when it's your husband in front or behind? And... Uh, well, she said it's not going to be nice if I take my husband out in the uh, last lap of Bathurst. But if it's for the win, I can guarantee you'd be thinking about it because it's, you know, it's the last drive you've got that year. Brings a whole new connotation to rubbing his racing. I was going to say, I'm going to keep right out of that one. This is a family show. Is it? Oh, God. <laughs> when did that happen, well, we're Gordon? talking about husband and wife, so it's a family show. <laughs> Well, at least it's husband and wife. I mean, I could tell you a few other stories if you want. No, let's keep it uh, in the in the uh, MA bracket. Guys, before we go to the next break, Team Vodafone. Now, one thing that surprises me was when you have the champion in your team, how does he still manage to get his name after the fella that ran Bridesmaid a couple of times and about 10th last year? 5% fan popularity. Corno? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, you know. Um, gee, you know, he's been there for a long time now, uh, you know, the, the, as we used to call him, the kid. Um, and, um, you know, I, I mean, he's, he's one of the highest profile sports people of, of any sport in this country. So, you know, um, it, it speaks volumes. And, and quite frankly, I mean, he had a cracker of a year last year. People, people tend to... I mean, he was really, really on it when he needed to be last year, and he played the ultimate wingman to, to Jamie, you know? Mm. And the interesting thing, I think, uh, if we want to get into, you know, get away from the, you know, the, the star mentality and have a look at what really went on last year, I mean, Craig had a new engineer, and it took him a little while to gel with that engineer. Once they did that, he was as good as anyone out there. Correct. He wasn't yep. going to take points off Win Cup, because, you know, Lowndes is not... You know, he's a good team player, I mean, he's a, he's a good bloke overall, but, you know, he knew what had to be done and he wasn't going to steal points from Win Cup, but I'll guarantee you he could have. You know, once he got, once that relationship was gelled, um, he was there. Mm. Um, and I'm with Gordo. He had a good year, 
we just tend to forget it. Yeah, at the end of the year, it was almost Colin Bond at Bathurst in, what was it, 76? There was an anchor out there just making sure he didn't uh, screw things up for the team owner. And Lowndes' drive at Bathurst was, was absolutely exemplary. You know, I, I, it's a long time since I've seen such a disciplined drive from a guy who, in the past, um, has lost concentration when he's not going as hard as he can. You know, and if we want to look back, you know, remember the year when the Battle Electric car, when he was blitzing the field, mm. they told him to back off, and he grazed the wall and broke a Watts linkage. Yeah, he, he did the same thing when he was with HRT, and yeah. you know, when he was putting in you know, uh, record lap after record lap when it didn't need to be, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And that's why, you know, like, Lowndes is a racer, so, you know, full credit to Roland Dane and the boys for being able to, to control that in him in that sense. Um, but, you know, and, and full credit to Craig for doing it, you know, but um, anybody who wants to think Craig Lowndes is a spent force... Um, because Jamie Winkup won last year's championship, is absolutely kidding themselves. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I might have said it on, on lunch before or, or written it somewhere. You know, there's a lot of people out there who think that, uh, you know, when Craig went to Ford in 2001, you know, that, that's the end. He will never win another championship. As long as he's driving a Ford, he will never win another championship. Well, this year he gets his chance. He's not driving a Ford, according to Triple Eight. <laughs> I've wanted to talk about the hog's breath the hog's breath cars because uh, we've all been waiting for it waiting for it willy won't he well if roland said it's a free space he's going to sell it you can believe that roland's going to sell it and uh, andrew i enjoyed we're looking at those pictures when they were released yeah, they're all, they're all good, aren't they? I mean, uh, you know, I think you'll find that if you wanted to sit down and look at the bottom line of Triple Eight um, Race Engineering um, as a, you know, and just take that one team, because like, these guys are building eight cars, by the way, but if you look at just the one team, I reckon financially they're better off without having Ford. Um, that Norton deal is good, but it's good in a number of ways, not just because there's good money in it, um, but Norton are so invested in this sport now. You know, they're leveraging it like you wouldn't believe. Um, they had their launch this morning, which I ended up missing. But, um, you know, the Norton guys were there all over Fed Square today. Um, so they're going to be a very good sponsor for the sport. Um, Hog's Breath have been around for so long that we kind of take them for granted a little bit. But, you know, they, they bring a nice light heart to what goes on out there. You know, the, the pig out on the grid or hog or whatever we want to call it. It, um, I think it, it sort of highlights um, a couple of things too, you know, with, uh, with Hogs Breath and, um, and Norton 360 splashed across the windscreen like it is. Um, it, it just shows that Triple Eight are not only, you know, on top of the game driver and engineering-wise, and engineering is their forte, um, but also commercially. I mean, commercially, they are so, so switched on, it's not funny. And, um, you know, while, you know, Holden will make a big run this year through, through Walkinshaw Racing and Team Red, um, you know, I, I mean, they've set the benchmark triple up. hard to beat again, aren't they? Yeah, they are indeed. Now, one other launch that uh, we do need to talk about in this segment just is Kelly Racing, because here you have a start-up team, four cars that they're preparing... And they're, you know, they're starting from scratch virtually in the way that they've had to set everything up and go about their business. We look at all the Ford teams having to go over to the FGs, but what Kelly Racing's trying to do is, is very much the same. Yeah, well, not really. I mean, um, I, I think there's a, there, there are a lot of logistics issues in it, and I think, 
you know, I was having a chat to uh, to Rick tonight, and you know, like he said, oh, thank God I can come to this. I've got two hours off, you know. So that's how he's looking at a launch, a series launch. It gives him a bit of spare time. But uh, and they've worked bloody hard to put together what they have. But like, let's not forget, they're Perkins Engineering cars. Mm. Um, they're not building those things from scratch. Um, and this is one of the things, you know, Todd will settle into that into the new team, and I would expect Todd to be much more comfortable to start with than Rick. Um, you know, Rick hasn't driven anything but a you know an HSV car for so long, for in V8 supercars forever. Um, Todd talks about how hard he found it when he stepped away last year. Um, but you know, they, they're not, they haven't done a massive undertaking in in the same way that a brand new car may represent. You know, and let's remember, Project Blueprint means that that car under the shell is essentially the same thing that Triple Eight, FPR. All of those guys have been using for years. The only difference is a couple of aerodynamics things and the fact that they, uh, you know, they can put the the driver's seat in a better spot. Um, so you know, yeah, I, I don't know. This is one of the things I, I thought we'd get onto tonight was this whole Jason Bright thing and the engineering. You know, because people will be saying, oh, you know, Bright is going to do really well because you know, all these guys have got new Falcons. The same way we said, oh, you know, HRT is not going to have a good year because or a couple of years back, um, and they all proved us wrong, um, and it's going to happen again. Well, certainly it is one of those things where you know that you're behind the eight ball because you don't have all the development work that you, uh, your opposition have. So you work harder and you work smarter and you, uh, you know, as we they're saw with the... expertise, yeah, they're buying Perkins Engineering expertise at Kelly's. Um, you know, like, Kelly's are trying to talk it down a little bit. They'll win, away, they'll, they'll win races this year, those two. Well, they certainly... Well, Todd certainly ended the year well enough to uh, certainly think that that will be an expectation, not a uh, not a luck thing. Yeah. No, no, I, I would fully expect them to win races this year. Hmm. Gorda? Yeah, look, I think they could very well be the um, the, ch- the chaser Holden team to HRT. Hmm. Um, certainly, um, you know uh, what's transpired with the, the whole makeup of that team. Um, uh, has been, you know, quite remarkable, but quite unremarkable as well, as Andrew alluded to. You know, um, it wasn't a massive, massive undertaking. I, mean, I think Todd even said things. You know, um, you know, they sort of they, they talked about John John Kelly, their father. You know, who's in the construction business. You know, grabbing three of his mates and putting the workshop together in in eight days for Christ's sake. You know, I mean, if if only the you know the average person in the street could pull something off like that, it'd be fantastic. But, um, but it's but also certainly, had a lot um, of planning you know, I, I think, you know, both of them have got very, very good qualities in different areas. I mean, as we all know, you know, Todd, Todd's the engineer out of the whole deal. And, you know, he's, he's more an engineering type of a guy. And, and Rick's the real racer, racer, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I, look, I'm with Andrew. I, I think they could probably sneak away with a win or two this year. All right, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders and we'll be back with more in just a few moments. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm James Courtney. Each weekend, find out what's going on in the world of V8 Supercars in V8 Insider. 
Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Andrew Clark and Gordon Lomas with me, Craig Ravel, as we will continue this look at uh, teams that could make it and uh, engineering feats that will be the story of 2009 because there is a, a fair bit of engineering. We talk about, oh, yeah, Ford's got a new car and this team's got new bits and that team's doing this, but there is some engineering logistics that do have to be done and that's in the engine shop and getting ready for the new fuel blend and I'm wondering if fuel mileage will become a factor at any stage during this year and uh, I say that knowing that at the long distance races uh, it, it's always an issue if you can get an extra lap or two out of the car at Bathurst you've, uh, well, you've got yourself a huge advantage but guys, do we think that uh, perhaps a team that we haven't mentioned so far, a team that lost its main driver, if you like, in the uh, insofar as uh, Paul Morris is concerned, but have now picked up a, a real young gun in Tim Slade and working with the, the old head of Russell Ingall, is this a team that is really, um, as they were for a lot of last year, the best holding team... Um, revisited? Oh, it's hard to say they're not going to be competitive. I mean, Russell Lingle was, to me, the story of last year in a sense. You know, his, his rise when we'd all written him off, and I'm sure Gordo was probably as, as dubious about the move as I was at the time. Um, but, you know, he, came, he went in there. I mean, I spoke to him in February last year, and I thought, God, this guy switched on this year. Um, I hadn't seen him like that for ages. Um, he's going to go well this year. Um, whether he's there ready to upset the apple cart's another story. Um, you know, upsetting the apple cart's a big job. But uh, you know, they've got the equipment, they've got they've got the backing, the funding, they've got the you know, the team infrastructure. Like everything's there now. The question for Russell Engel is how quickly will Tim Slade come on to give him what he needs to make the number 39 car quicker? Gordo, just before you have a word here, I want to take Andrew Clark back 52 weeks almost to the day where you said, I saw at the season launch Mark Scaife and Russell Engel having a quiet beer and a chat out the back and perhaps talking about their final season in V8 supercars. At the, one right. at the time, you got one right. And, in fact, you can claim one and a half because it was the teammate of Russell Engel that threw in the towel as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, well a Collingwood, uh, that, 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 they're right there, right there. That is a Collingwood moral premiership, my friend. Yeah, I like to claim all of those things, but don't, don't ever tag me with Collingwood. <laughs> yeah, no, they, weren't they talking about where they were going to go for a drink after the launch? <laughs> yeah, probably like they were talking tonight, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny to watch Scaife on stage and saying, oh, you know, a few guys are a bit worried about what I'm going to say about them, and then he uh, gave it away and said, hey, Rusty. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's... there's it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Ingle goes. I mean, I think he's going to do well again. Um, you know, and, and I like those guys. I like the super cheap racing guys. You know, they're, they're in it for pure purposes. Um, yeah. they're, they're races at heart. I mean, you, to know that, you've only got to look at you know, Paul Morris when Russell Ingle um, landed himself on the podium at, um, at Bahrain. You know, those guys want to win races. Um, it's in their blood. It's in their soul. Um, Russell Ingle, you know, he's like, perhaps like Greg Murphy. You know, he's... He could be the worst bloke in the world when things aren't good. But when things are good, God, he's fun. And, uh, you know, I enjoy watching him when he's winning. Yeah, look, I, you know, I mean, I think a couple of us predicted, you know, earlier last year um, that uh, Russell could certainly uh, be the surprise packet, um, you know, 
going across uh, to, to, to the dude's operation there. And, you know, he, he proved a few of us right and, uh, and, and, and certainly raised a lot of eyebrows. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that, um, that they can, you know, they'd go, certainly I don't think they'd go backwards uh, on what they did last year. And with young Tim coming into the, into the deal, you know, I think he, you know, Paul obviously looked at a few drivers and as Craig well knows and all of us well know now, um, you know, he certainly looked at Jacques Villeneuve uh, and Villeneuve was, was, you know, certainly interested in doing the deal seriously, uh, didn't come off. But, but, you know, the upshot was that Paul was looking around for drivers and he's ultimately set, settled on Tim Slade, who at 23 years of age, you know, brings a lot to the team and will learn a hell of a lot off Ingle, who's been there for forever and a day now since the, you know, since the mid to early 90s. Um, and, you know, interesting to see one of Paul's um, comments um, through that, um, you know, what he likes about Tim is that Tim's more interested in the setup of the car, in, you know, in changing the settings and getting everything right and hitting the car set up right than worrying about where his next uh, latte is coming from. And, and, you know, and that's Paul. That's, you know, that, that is absolutely Paul. And, you know, and it's quite, you know, quite a good observation. And Tim will probably you know, come through with the goods um, you know, and certainly hope he does. I think the question is, is really, is there another quantum leap left in you know, Super Cheap Auto Racing or did, did that happen last year? And I think they're probably about where they should be at the moment. Um, and that only needs a small step for them to, you know, to move from that second and third placings that Russell was able to score last year um, to taking the, uh, you know, taking a race win. Um, they're a good chance, I reckon, to do something nice this year. Correct. I, I, I think they've, got, they've still got a few tricks left up their sleeves. Um, I don't think they found their level last year. I seriously think they can make inroads again this year and, uh, and certainly challenge, you know, legitimately for round wins. Yep, so long as Russell keeps on top of his qualifying. You know, and, that, and that was the thing we saw in the second half of last year was when, when Russell qualified well, he ended up with a really good result. When he didn't qualify well, not so good. And that's where Tim Slade comes into it, you know. Tim's got to be able to help in that setup factor, you know. Get it right. Um, Russell has a year under his belt now with that team, so the chances of him being off the pace like they were a couple of times last year are a lot slimmer. And, uh, you know, I think Russell proved last year that you know, all of these stories about how he can't qualify are probably wrong. Um, you've just got to give him a car that he can qualify. And not put a mic in front of him, asking him about starts when he's on the front row, because he talked himself up, and he talked himself up into a stall, didn't he, at yeah. the grand final? Ah, oh, well, that happens to all of us, doesn't it? <laughs> Guys, we need to move on now quickly. A couple of the legal battles that are happening at the moment, and, uh, of course, our, our good friend David John. Well, uh, Luke West must be tearing his heart out here when he heard the bankruptcy news of David John out of uh, Kiwiland because, let's face it, Steve Owen was pretty much in that seat. And, uh, of course, the upshot is if uh, there's no Team Kiwi racing with David John, there's probably no Steve Owen in the main game this year. They have restructured the business quite quickly to put another director in place, etc. But, you know, I think the bankruptcy is only a only minor issue. And I, I read today, you know, David John's fighting it and blah, blah, blah. But, uh, like, these issues have been going on for so long now. You know, we've had fights with FBR. We've had fights with SBR. We've had fights with everybody known to mankind. You know, I think, um, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire in a sense. I'm, I'm a bit worried about the future of TKR, no doubt at all. Um, will they make the grid this year? Yeah good possibility 
but um, you know, will they be any good? It's just, yeah, I don't know. Um, if it was up to me and I was the person controlling the licences, I'd be finding a way to make sure they didn't run. Mm. Go on, Yeah, look, you know, I mean, it's sort of... There's, there's various questions you can ask, aren't you? I mean, uh, there's all the, you know, there's all the... Um, rules and regulations they have on, you know, who's fit to uh, to actually own and hold a V8 supercar licence, and you know, you, you certainly the, the the goings on of the last few seasons, you know, you, you'd seriously you'd seriously question that they actually meet all those requirements. Um, but you know, being uh, being a bit cynical about the whole thing, and uh, you know, being a an old wise and newspaper journal, I mean, gee, they've they've certainly provided a lot of ink for. Uh, for the you know for the media, haven't they? Mm. Well, you don't get bored around them, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, you know, they're, they're an interesting mob. I mean, you know, like under under New Zealand law, um, David John Wally's while he's declared bankrupt, so let's not assume that it's a that you know it's a done deal yet. Um, he can't be a director of a company, so he's handed the directorship of TKR over to somebody else. So TKR, technically speaking, um, is still solvent as an entity. Um, whether it's got the funds to go racing this year. Whether they've done a deal with Paul Morris Motorsport again, like they had a couple of years, a few years ago when Paul Radisic was doing quite well with them, you know, whatever the thing is, yeah, who, who knows? But the question for every single person out there, and especially the New Zealanders, is, you know, what do they add? What do they really bring to us, except for, you know, some good good stories every so often in the, in some newspapers? Um, at the moment, you know, you, you'd just be saying like, yeah, <laughs> let's be kind and pull the screen around it. Mm. I think. Uh Finally, uh, what about this? I could get sued there and, uh, and and pull them out of their hole, except that I don't have any money. <laughs> the uh, John Kelly story is where we're going to finish now, and uh, I know uh, that you have always been, Andrew, a, a, a you know a, a, a firm view on Walkinshaw performance, and uh, we certainly made comment about how we thought the guts were ripped out of the whole toll HSV dealer team last year and well it seems like uh, John Kelly has had some financial problems now with with uh, his former business partner. I wouldn't call it financial problems, there's issues um, at that front. Um, now I, I will come to this telling you I have not spoken to anybody from Walkinshaw Racing, no, I haven't spoken to anybody about this thing, but there is bad blood um, and where there's bad blood um, there will never inevitably be lawyers. Um, where it ends up, who knows? You know, and uh, it would be interesting to to know the answers. Um, you know, Tom Walkinshaw is as hard nosed businessman as I think you will ever find in motorsport. Um, you know, some people find his 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 ways of doing things confronting at best, and and you know don't really deal well with it. Um, John Kelly's a pretty quietly spoken bloke, but. Uh, Clearly, very clever in business. I mean, you don't make the kind of money that bloke's made if you don't know what you're doing. Um, the two of them have this argument. Um, as I say, lawyers come into it when that happens, and um, where it really lies, I have no idea. Um, but uh, you know, it's, again, it's not good. It's not good for the sport, um, um, and it's not good overall. But uh, you know, there's got to be a resolution to it somewhere, and it does come back to what happened last year. Gordo, mm. what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, I, you know, I mean. I, I don't want to sort of, you know, shirk anything, but I don't really want to buy into it because, I, A, I don't know enough about it and I don't, certainly don't know the nitty-gritty, and, um, and, and B, you know, there's, there's all sorts of allegations flying around of, 
you know, who owns what equipment and, you know, you know, what's, you know, what do I owe and, and who owns what and whatever else and who's up who and for what and, you know, I mean, who knows? It's, it's a murky, murky thing and, um, you know, obviously the HSV dealer thing um, was, the, was the root of the, you know, of some of the problems certainly um, and as Andrew says, there's a lot of bl bad blood there but, um, you know, where it's going to end up, who knows? Um, but yeah, look, both of them, John people. Kelly and Tom Walkinshaw, they're both very smart, you know, very intellectual men. And, um, you know, uh, neither of them are fools. Um, so, you know, let's hope it's, uh, let's hope it's sorted out amicably and, uh, and everyone can get on with their business. Yeah. And bad blood doesn't mean that somebody's done something legally wrong. You know, yep. It just means that something's happened and somebody's angry or somebody's, you know, wants want some sort of you know, recourse. Invariably, these things, you know, and I can tell you this because I, you know, my other job is working for law firms. You know, people litigate and people sue, um, and eventually sanity reigns, and, and they'll end up sitting down and saying, "Oh well, you know, you've got a bit of a case there. You know, I'll give you twenty grand." So, well, I reckon, I'm worth, you know, I reckon what you did to me is worth forty grand, but twenty grand's good, and we'll walk away, we'll shake hands, and off we go. And that's probably what's going to happen here: is that they're going to sit down and they're going to, you know, they'll do all of their things and. Um, yeah, and they'll throw it in and they'll say, well, I want 25 million bucks for that. And then somebody will say, well, it's only worth $10. Um, when you're litigating, extreme statements are made. Um, so as I say, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know the, 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 the argument. I don't know any facts at all. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it will be settled and it will be settled in a way that... Uh, you know, both parties will probably be upset. Mm. Well, uh, from memory, uh, Tom had some financial difficulties a few years ago, and uh, now he's back bigger and brighter than ever. David hey, John's in financial difficulties at the moment. Uh, gee, we better watch the sleeping black giant. Guys, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you tonight on the V8 Insiders. Two guys that have had some problems with each other and our teammates in spring gas racing. Greg Murphy and Jason Barguana, they're going to tell us about the problem with no personalities being in the uh, Nomex of V8 supercars after the break. But guys, Andrew, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Yep, most importantly, the yearbook arrived on our shores today, so um, um, we start delivering those this week. So um, look for your yearbook if you've ordered one on our internet site. It should, uh, should get in your, in your uh, letterbox next week. Gordo, I know that you, we've uh, been talking about VADX magazine. It's uh, it's a bumper crop edition. Absolutely, it is. Don't forget to get VADX. It's on sale tomorrow, March five. It's the fiftieth issue. Very important edition, <laughs> and there's some cracker stories in there. The white flag. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X magazine. V8X magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. With Greg Murphy and Jason Barguana, teammates for the season, it will see two of the biggest personalities in the sport together in the one pit bay. Neville Wilkinson started talking to them about the much publicised dust-up of a few years ago. 
and I'm sure you're going to get reminded of this for the whole year now. Yep. Bargs is your teammate. Yeah. Have you kissed him, mate? Since oh, those back yeah, since, since those Phillip Island. Yeah, we got over that a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, there was certainly a couple of years after we, we, where I would uh, would say that um, there wasn't a lot of eye contact being made. <laughs> but it's quite funny. It's quite funny. I mean, I even had a go at you, didn't I? Yeah, we had that, we had that argument before we did the feature. Yeah, <laughs> the article that you'd written and, and your mag, and you know, because we you know, obviously both felt pretty pretty heavy about it, you know, and and, uh, and rightly so, rightly so, you know. But, um, yeah, we all moved on from that. Look, the, the, the one thing about the sport and that, that we all love, mm. and fans, people that are in it, drivers, whatever, is the passion that's, that this yeah. sport develops, you know, whether you're a Ford fan or a Holden fan or, or you're a driver or whatever. And what we put into it as drivers means a lot, you know, and, and when things go, go according to plan... Yeah. It's very easy to, to lose your head and, and um, you know, express your views. So Murph and I have had a chat on the odd occasion, but we, we've, um, we've uh, certainly got over that. We're big boys and, yeah. and, you know, we actually more laugh about it now than what we, uh, than, than you can imagine because, uh, as I said to Murph, I think my wife and I have had bigger blues and, and she wins them all, all the time. So it's, um, you, you know, um, yeah, it's more of a laugh than anything else. You're talking about the passion and um, there's a bit of a... A groundswell, not a groundswell, but there's a bit of perception there. There's a lot, a lot of the drivers up the front now are a bit clinical in regards to their personality. Sure, the racing's on the tracks, fine, but when they get out of the car, there's no personality. Do you find that um, there seems to be a lack of personality out there in regards to driver landing? I think there's a lot of guys that, as soon as they start becoming successful, they start to read their own press a little bit and and start to feel a lot more important than they probably really are. At the end of the day, we're race car drivers. We've got a grand opportunity to be part of this show and, and, and race, and we want to be competitive. So I think that what we do need is a bit more personality out there, somewhere between maybe Russell Lingle and Paul Morris and, and, and those sorts of guys, and uh, a lot less clinical than some of the other guys are. So, I mean, that's what I've always uh, worked on, you know, and done quite naturally, I suppose, is... He's had a bit of personality. I bring my passion out. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I make sure everyone understands what I do and the way I love it. So um, it's worked for me, and, and it's worked against me. So hopefully, it'll work for me this year. Do you find it's funny that the that, uh, the media are saying the drivers aren't uh, so? Uh, there's no personality anymore. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we miss those days where there yeah, was but, a bit but, of that. But you see, you've, you know, you look at. Yeah, I, I, listen, I think those days were fantastic. You know, the, you know me and Marcus in 2005, yeah. you know, you know all that kind of stuff. Two personality clashes, well, it, it is boring. It is boring at the moment. You know, there's a lot of guys that, that I don't know, they just train not to speak out. Well, it's almost like it's trained out of them. Yeah, it's boring. It is boring, you know, and I, that's why I want to get back at the front. Yeah, because... Well, cause some freaking controversy. Well, we want you guys, we want you and Russell in the yeah, exactly, uh, media conference exactly. because you actually say something. Yeah, well, exactly. Russ is exactly the same as me in that respect. I mean, we both get in there. I went, you know, I hadn't been to a press conference in a long time, got to Bathurst, and it was like, oh, my God, is this what it's become? Yeah. You know, all this proper, all sit there and be proper shit. Mm. You know, it's bloody... It is people... It's just boring. No wonder, you know, you, you guys struggle to probably come up with stuff to write, yeah. you know. Have to start it's making hard, stuff man. up, you know. Because, it, you know, you, you just you need some of that. But some of these some of these guys that haven't been around as long as some of us old bastards are, you know, fairly, uh, fairly, fairly one-dimensional. Well, you honestly believe that you can still be complimentary to the sponsor, but you can say something with substance. Oh, of course, of course, of course. But you don't have to agree with everything everyone says, you know. They don't want you to. Exactly, but, uh, you know. 
a lot of people just don't want to say anything, you know, to, to get a, you know, get uh, get a headline out there, mm. I suppose. But, and sometimes, you know, the, I suppose one of my problems was that I used to say stuff that that really didn't need to make a headline, <laughs> but it did, you know. So anyway, that was it's all good, and it's I suppose that's created personalities, and it's given, you know, it's it's um, made you into what you are today. But you know, we very much would like to be getting back up the front there to, to be yeah. able to do some more of that stuff. And, and Philpo was a perfect example. I mean, it was it was emotion emotion charged, and and everybody had an opinion of it, whether they agreed or disagreed. It, it, to a point, it was irrelevant. People, it, it it got people talking about it and stuff like that. We don't seem to have. Well, there's a lot less of that. The people are too scared they're either going to piss off their sponsor or something like that. Yeah, it's a fine line that you need to walk as a professional mm. athlete. And we've seen other codes of sport uh, and footballs go over that line. Mm. Um, you know, we've fortunately in our sport have not had anyone hanging out of nightclubs at 3am on with white powders and so mm. forth. I mean, our sport's been quite you know, healthy and clean in that aspect. And I think that education for our drivers comes from the fact that early on, we knew what the responsibilities were commercially, because without that, from day one, from Formula Ford through to whatever category you're in, if you don't do the right thing, you don't have the sponsors. And we understand that, where other sports don't. So, but we are on the, you know, we've got to be very careful not to, to you know, push it down too hard, mm-hmm. because you still need to have some of that emotion out there. You still need to have some passion. And, uh, and really, you know, fire it up for the fans and get people talking, which yeah. which is hopefully what we can do this year. Oh, well, Greg, good luck for 2009. Thanks. Thanks. And um, the car looks great. It so does look the good. The team's exciting. Yep. And um, I'm sure we'll see you up We've there. had the best, you know, best launch we've, we've ever had and, you know, we're a better position than we've ever been, so let's just hope that uh, we can continue. Cool. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Appreciate it. it. The Murph and Barg Show, coming to a racetrack near you very soon. My thanks to Gordon Lomas and Andrew Clark. Until next week, as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.